Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you look up the word spirit, you find the Latin root word, which is spiritus, and it means to breathe. So if you are consciously breathing, you're aware of your breath, you're in control of the breath, it's a spiritual practice. You cannot meditate. You can only make the conditions right for meditation to occur naturally. If you just do that breathing for five to 10 minutes, it definitely has a way of clearing out. And the, the longer you do it, the, the more it'll clear out. Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins and welcome to Life, Death and the Space Between. I am so excited to share with you one of my most special teachers I've had over my years of doing yoga. I've been practicing yoga for, I don't know, 20 years. I actually don't talk about it all that much on this show. But about six years ago, I walked into a yoga class and was profoundly changed by the way my guest today is going to be talking with you all and me again, about yoga as a spiritual practice, breath as a spiritual practice, and how we've gotten so far away from what it means to be in our bodies. So I am excited today to welcome Joseph, I'm going to say it, Laura Chella, <laughs> to the Great. show. Um, Joseph is an incredible yoga instructor. He is a body. He's a massage therapist, but really he's a body work expert. He is just able to tune in to what the body needs and um, anxiety relief expert. I mean, just all the things. His new book, Miracle of Body Wisdom, is one of four. It's out now. Um, welcome, 
Joseph to the show. I'm so excited to connect with you in this way because we have not seen each other since the pandemic. So welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great to be here. So let's start with your story of how you found yoga, because it's really, I think, how so many people find and begin to open up to spirituality, which is their own struggle. So how did you come to this path? Really, I came through it um, to it through suffering. I mean, uh, when I was 20 years old, my best friend committed suicide. And for several years after that, I struggled with living. I mean, I really, um, even though I went through all the things that any person goes through, like, you know, graduated high school, you know, I fumbled my way through college. I experienced um, just massive grief that I really didn't know what to do with or how to get through. And eventually, um, I, a friend of mine uh, and I watched a video on massage therapy, this massage therapy school, and it was very forward thinking back then. It was the mid nineties. Um, the school was in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I lived in New York and it just seemed like a far stretch, but I, I threw myself in because I was really desperate. And I felt like at that time I was either going to self-destruct or get on a healing path. And I got myself out to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I went to school for six months and that began um, really a transformation, uh, uh, a healing, a healing path. They offered yoga as a optional class and I just jumped in, you know, anything optional, I did it. You know, I just was, I was 100% all in at that point. Um, even though I was battling my own addictions, you know, but, um, I was committed to, you know, giving it my best, you know? So, um, that really started, I, 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 started with a yoga teacher. His name was Michael Hopp and he was really amazing. And, um, I'm, I'm sorry to say he has passed on since, but he was this man that as a man gave me this confident, um, way of being in a yoga class. Cause as you know, it's like, you know, even now it's like mostly women. So he really kind of planted that seed of yoga in me early on in like the mid nineties. And what was the seed of yoga? What was it about yoga that spoke to you in a way that felt spiritual? Up until that point, I had only used my body. I would say like used and abused my body. I was a wrestler. We did crazy things in wrestling to make weight, um, not eat and sweat and dehydrate ourselves. So I think for the first time I started to appreciate my body and, and he was very much into, um, being kind and compassionate to the body and to the self. So I, th I think that was really the first time that, um, that a man, you know, offered this way of being in my body that wasn't using my body to win something or perform something or, you know, to abuse it with work or overwork. It was the first time that I was like, oh, wait a minute, this body is actually, it, it's for me. It's with me. It contains, you know, my spirit. It, 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 it kind of um, protects my spirit. And I kind of started looking at the body differently at that time. 
And how do you see, because bo- the, the subtitle of your book is How to Break Through Anxiety and Reclaim Your Mind, Body, and Heart. Yeah. How do you see, I think as a therapist, you know, one of the things that I think is a challenge often is to help people get out of their heads because people yeah. are so in their head about everything and yeah. into their body. So how do you see the body as a way of navigating through anxiety? So, you know, that's a really big question and there's, and there's a lot here and I feel like I could talk about this for a while, but um, even writing the book and doing research around what I was, what I'm talking about in the book. So we have the brain, right? The brain is harnessed in the, in the skull and the brain you know, runs the organ systems and all of our life support systems. And we don't have to think about it. It just automatically does that. And if you look at like the brain versus the mind, the mind, I believe is the whole body. It's the whole intelligence of the body. And uh, let me explain that. If you cut your finger, you don't have to think about that cut healing itself. You don't have to think about growing your hair. You don't have to think about all of the things that happen automatically in the body. So there's this intelligence that the body has, which is why I I call the book Miracle of Body Wisdom. There's this wisdom that the body already has. It's like your, your mother cell, your father cell, you know, one cell comes together, two cells collide to form you and this intelligence already knows how to multiply and create 30 trillion cells, all with specialized uh, importance of how to build different organ systems, different, you know, and it's just fascinating to me. So I think what happens is anxiety, overthinking. um, We learn how to do this because we want to solve problems in our lives. And in order to solve problems, we go up into the brain and we start thinking about how to do this or that. The challenge is we get stuck up there. And I I like to think of it like if you just think like you have little sparks of electricity and neurosynapses happening in the brain. If you have a lot of that happening, there's a lot of energy happening literally in your head. Yoga and breathing and connecting to the body starts to bring some of those that those firing synapses down in through the nervous system into the body in through the muscular system. And you're actually moving and breathing. Um, and if you do that in coordination, you start to say like dampen some of those nerves that are firing to think your way through something like worrying about things. Yeah. And I think it speaks to in many ways where intuition can come from. I talk a lot on the show about getting in touch with your intuition. You can't be in touch with your intuition when you are in your head. It is, it is, a, it is a knowing experience. And I don't believe you can think through and get there up here. It has to be a felt experience. I totally, a hundred percent agree with you. I mean, it, yeah, I talk about this in my book a little bit, intuition and break that word down. It's like into it, into me, into this intimacy. It has this connection with intimacy. And when you ask me about what made it different, this guy, you know, teaching me yoga, what made this different and a different connection to my body is that suddenly I'm being intimate 
with my body. And I'm, so I'm not just using it to do something. I'm actually using it to be something, which is a human being, which is why I think it's so such a powerful practice, you know, breathing, moving in coordination, and then resting or, you know, meditating. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So let's break down breath for a minute. Cause this was where, when, when I showed up at your yoga class, which was at a gym, which was uh, oftentimes yoga classes now have become workout classes. Not we've gotten very far away from what yoga was supposed to be. And I want to talk a little bit about that too. Um, your yoga class was about breath. It was really about getting in touch with breath. And so can you talk with us a bit about the history of yoga, what the intention was initially. Um, do you think we can, I'm firing like 20 questions at you right now. Like, can we find our way back there? Why have we gotten so far from there? I was joking before we got on your, your class used to be a nine 30 class on a Sunday morning, which for me became like my temple. It was literally like yoga church. I would show up like I couldn't miss it. It really felt like it was grounding me for the week. It was like a spiritual experience. Everybody was breathing. Now they've changed it just this week. Interestingly that I'm talking to you to a Pilates amped. And I was saying to you earlier, like the last thing I feel like we need as a society is anything that is more amped right now. Like everybody's nervous systems are off the chart shot. Everybody is in states of hyper arousal at all times, fight or flight. And yet we keep trying to amp things more. So that was a lot. I'll let you go wherever you want to go with it, but go for it. (laughs) Wow. Um, Well, okay. So the first thing, let me just talk about breath for a second. So if you look up the word spirit, you find the Latin root word, which is spiritus. And it means to breathe. So if you are consciously breathing, you're aware of your breath, you're in control of the breath, it's a spiritual practice. And and I like to tell people that. So if we start our yoga practice and we, we kind of build our yoga practice around the breath, that is first and foremost a spiritual practice. And then everything else is a byproduct, like, you know, flexibility and, you know, feeling good and like endorphins and all of the other things that we like to experience from a yoga class, it comes as a byproduct. 
So the breath is the key. I've learned through, really through Krishnamacharya. So my teacher, Mark Whitwell, his teacher was Desikachar. Desikachar was the son of Krishnamacharya. And Krishnamacharya is the grandfather of all, well, practically all modern yoga as we know it today, over you know 95% of the yoga that people are doing, all hatha yoga or vinyasa yoga is it came through Krishnamacharya and Krishnamacharya was very clear about having principles that are, you know, relatively easy to, um, to, to install in your practice, but they're very specific. So if you have these principles, you can really plug these principles into any yoga that you're doing and it will make it your personal yoga practice, which was traditionally how yoga was taught one-on-one -on -one or one to two people, like very, very small groups. It wasn't taught in these big standardized classes. Why? Because we're all individuals. So Krishnamacharya taught yoga, do your yoga practice based on your body type, your age, your health condition, and your belief system or culture. So he wouldn't, he wouldn't, you know, give Hindu chants to a Christian. He would say chant in your, you know, your um, religious belief or your spiritual belief. So it was really, you know, you could say that yoga is really non-denominational in that way. And it can be plugged into any person. Anybody can do yoga. And we call this yoga that I'm talking about yoga of participation. Participation in your life. So you're doing your yoga not to get someplace special. You're doing yoga because you already are someplace special. I do my yoga to get to Savasana. Is that not right? <laughs> yeah, but on your on your way to Shavasana, you're participating mm -hmm. in everything that's happening in your life. And I say that because when you breathe and move and you're bending and reaching and twisting and you know, doing all these asana, the postures, coordinated with your breath, you're actually taking part in your own reality, in the reality that is whatever's happening in your life when you show up to your practice. That's why a daily practice is so key. Most people just do yoga when they feel good or when they're inspired enough to do it. But I'm telling you, if you do a, you know, 10 or even 20 minute yoga practice on a daily basis, no matter how good you feel, it, it gives you a great baseline and it allows you to participate even in your bad days or your, or your high anxiety days. And it gives you a nice way of letting go of the things you need to let go of and, and bringing or attracting those things that you need to take into your life to move you forward in a healthy way. That's how I look at it. So what could that, what could that daily life, daily yoga practice look like? So it's, so people don't feel again, overwhelmed by, oh no, this is another thing I have to commit to. That's a great, great question. If you love the show, there are several ways you can show the love. You can go to patreon.com at Dr. Amy Robbins, just put in my name and support the show in any monetary amount you feel comfortable, five, 10, $20 a month makes 
the world of difference to me. So I would appreciate if you could support the show, if you're already supporting the show. There aren't enough ways to put into words how grateful I am for that support. It literally has made such a difference to me, and it is what keeps this show going. So thank you so much. Also, make sure you're subscribed anywhere you can get the show. You are following me on Instagram please subscribe to my newsletter, dramyrobbins.com, where I do bi-monthly soul wisdoms. I'm going to be getting back to that. I took a little break, but they are coming back. And also you can follow me on Instagram at dramyrobbins. That is where I'm the most active. That's the social media platform you can find me on the most frequently. And just reach out. Let me know your thoughts on a podcast Share the podcast with friends, whomever you think would be interested in this topic. Just please pass it along. And thanks as always for your support. Well, certainly some breath work. You know, even if you took five minutes, and this is what I say to people, if if people are already so busy that they're telling me they can't fit a 10 minute yoga practice into your life, you need more than a yoga, you need intervention. I mean, if, if somebody can honestly say, wow, I don't really have 10 or 15 minutes, you, you need more help than I can give you. I mean, it, you know, it's like if you're just I, so I, I would tell pressed, you, put down, take social media. Yeah. I would say take social media off your phone and you'll find 10 or 15 minutes very easily. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But in a 10-minute period... There's a lot you can do that, you know, deep, that deep breath work that I teach I, in the book, I have seven different breathing techniques. The, the biggest and most important one, especially for a yoga practice, a moving breathing practice is called Ujjayi Pranayama. And it, and it relates to the throat and it's a, a it's really a um, very controlled way of breathing. And it's an audio, like you can hear it. So it, it tunes you in in many different levels. You can feel it, hear it, you're experiencing it proprioceptively, and you have to control the throat. So if you're doing this breath, it's very hard to think about your laundry list of things to do or whatever it is that you're worrying about. It's very hard. So if you just do that breathing for five to 10 minutes, it definitely has a way of clearing out. And the, the longer you do it, the the more it'll clear out. And I, I like to uh, give people a, like a sample of like, if I just sit here and I, and I take three or four deep breaths and close my eyes and pause after, there'll be a tiny amount of time that goes by where I don't have any thoughts at all. So in our yoga practice, what we're doing is we're taking that small little pause where there's no thoughts and we're lengthening that out and we call that meditation. So in the yoga that I teach, um, meditation arises very naturally. You don't have to try to meditate. You just, you just do your yoga and relax. It's already, you're already in meditation. That's the beauty of it. That is actually one of the things I learned from you. I use it in, I use what you've said in so many different ways in life. Cause I think it's applicable I, I think about it with kids too. What you, this is what you learned from your teacher. You, you cannot meditate. This is so important. So everybody, if you're doing something else, take a minute and listen. You cannot meditate. You can only make the conditions right for meditation to occur naturally. I hear this so often from people. 
I don't know how to meditate. I can't sit quietly. I can't stop my mind from racing. I can't, I can't, I can't. And on some level, they're right because the conditions are not there. So how do we, you said breath is one way to lay a foundation. Yoga is another way to lay the foundation, the conditions of a meditation practice. What would be other ways that we can find ourselves? I talk about this too, as it relates to kids, because when parents say things like, my kids can't, won't talk to me, or how can I find a way to get my kids to talk to me? I ask them all these questions. I say, just like meditation, I say, you have to set up the conditions that allow for a natural conversation. You can't force something. You just can't force it these things upon people. And it's so the Western way to just like, let's try to force it to happen, force it to happen. And then it will. So can you talk to us a little about those conditions? Attention. You know, it's a really interesting word because, um, you know, what you're describing with um, parents and their kids is people are trying to have conversations but their attention is, is, is off. They're not really paying attention to the person that's in front of them. It's like, you can't really have a, 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 a healthy heart to heart conversation with anybody, including your kids. If they're not paying attention to you, they're off somewhere else, you know? Um, so that's the first thing I want to say about that is to kind of square up with people. We're, we're in this, the world that we're living in that's going so fast, we're losing the ability to sit in front of somebody and just, you know, have a cup of coffee and look into somebody's eyes and feel what they're feeling and share in these like, and, and again, it goes back to intimacy. So it's like, if you're doing your yoga practice as a way to intimately connect with your own body and breath and heart, then just by the very nature of that practice, you're going to be able to be more intimate with other people. So that's why we say this is the yoga of participation in the relationship with yourself first, and then everybody and everything else in your life. So it's like you could say yoga is relationship. So, okay, so there's that part. Okay, then this other part. Yoga is really, it was never meant to be pulled apart. So in other words, you have people doing meditation over here and then people doing the calisthenics of yoga over here. And then, um, you know, it's like all broken apart and the breath work they're doing over here. Yoga is, and this is really, if people get this, it will be, it'll be so um, helpful. Yoga is asana, the postures, the movements, asana, pranayama, the breath work, meditation, rest, and life in a seamless process. So you do your postures, you do your breath work, you meditate, and then you live your life. And that's it. Not obsessively. So when we, when we your say- postures, your breath work. Yeah. And that's kind of intertwined, the breath and the movements together. You, and then you could do just some breath work mm-hmm. without doing movements. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then you'll just, you'll naturally come to meditation. I, I've, I've experienced this with classes and with people like all the time. You breathe and move, you're concentrating. Like while you're breathing and moving is a deep concentration on your breath work, on your expanding and contracting the lungs. 
right? And the movements of the body, you're engaging your abdominals on the exhalation, right? And you're getting into this rhythmic, synchronized flow with your breath movements. And then after you're just pausing. And that's when we say meditation arises naturally. It's natural. It's just like a rest. And so people that are trying to just meditate, yeah, I tell my students, just stop doing that. Just stop trying to meditate. It causes suffering. It's like, oh, I'm not doing it right. I got to like try harder and I have to, you know, it's, it's very natural for you to breathe and move. I mean, you could even do it with like, go for a run, come back from the run, sit down, close your eyes, relax, or lay down on the floor, close your eyes and relax. Shavasana where you lay down at the end after yoga practice, Shavasana is missing from all workouts, period, in my, in my view. So I, it's, I was going to ask about that. Why is it supposed to be longer? I feel like that is the part of yoga that's gotten like chopped off. Like I'm always laying there and I'm like, can I just stay here for like 10, 15 minutes? Right. And it's like, move it along. Like next class is coming in. Like you got to oh, yeah, clean up. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. Isn't well, this yeah. the point of all of it is to rest and relax and like allow the the practice to settle into the body in a way? Maybe I'm 100%. off here, but no, you're a hundred percent. Like you know, this is all intuitive to you. You know, I mean, this is part of the reason why I would encourage you and and everybody else to develop your own yoga practice so that you don't. It's funny because people. I'll say to people, do you do, do you practice yoga? And they'll say, oh yeah, I go to class three times a week. I don't, I, I mean, I'm just going to say it. I don't look at that as having your own yoga practice because you're doing somebody else's yoga. Somebody's instructing you and 20 other people to do exactly the same thing. So it's a very different experience when you are breathing and moving and meditating with yourself, by yourself, for yourself. It's a very different experience when you, I mean- I don't have a yoga know, practice. Most people don't have a yoga practice and it, it certainly takes a little bit of discipline to get that going. But you know that, that's you know something that I do is help people cultivate their own yoga practice. And I say cultivate because that has a lot. It means kind of show them what to do, you know, and then hold them accountable for doing it. That's the key. I do feel like there is something to be said, though, for being in community with other people in that way. Like yeah. that was one of the things during the pandemic. I definitely would practice yoga, sometimes guided, sometimes on my own, just following what my body needed and, and how I needed to move. But I did miss the part about being in community with other people who were also moving in that way, where the world sort of was shut out in a way that felt different than I could do in my own space. A hundred percent. I actually talk about this in the book. Um, it, there's something to that for sure, right? You know, moving and breathing together is a, a great experience. I, I, I wish that there were more teachers that were able to like have people kind of do their own yoga practice within the yoga practice together. But it's like, you know, it's like my teacher and I, we, we talk about like everybody's just like a bunch of robots, you know, they're doing the same thing exactly the same way at the same time. And it's like, how could that be? Everybody has a different breath ratio. Everybody has a different size lungs. 
Right. Everybody right. has a different body. Everybody. So it's like, but I think there is something to that. In, in yoga, we call this um, sangha, which is community, which is connection, which is relationship. And yeah, I mean, if that's, you know, if that's the place that you get that, I, great, but you can still do your own yoga practice. Right. I think, I think I've gotten, and, and this is because as I've gotten older, I've cared less about needing to follow the instructions versus just if I want to lay in child's pose for five minutes, that's what I'll do or allowing. And I think this is important for people allowing yourself the freedom. If the community space you enjoy, but the freedom to move as you want to move within that space that you don't necessarily need to be following everything that everybody else around you is doing. It's like the herd mentality, but that you can be in a yoga space practicing with other people, not doing exactly what they're doing, but listening to your own body wisdom. A hundred percent. I think, you know, you probably have more self-confidence to be able to do that. I think a lot of people who are probably, you know, newer or, or haven't been in yoga classes very much are wanting to do, they're kind of wanting to do right by the teacher. They're trying they're like doing, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing, so to speak. So I, if they're, if people are empowered enough to just kind of do their own thing, great. You know, it's just like, there's so much, it, it really depends on who's, who's teaching the class and how they're holding that space, you know, how they're creating that space. And some teachers are better at that than others. Right. So with the breath cycle, what are the four parts of the breath cycle that people, I want people to have something here today that they might be able to take away and just apply. So there's two things. One, conscious breath, conscious active breath versus conscious passive breath. So can you yeah. just explain both of those for, for us? And then yeah, also so, help yeah. us break down the parts of the breath cycle. So the first part is the a conscious active breath is one that you're both aware of and you're controlling. So if I if I'm sitting here and I I just take a deep breath in, hold my breath and then let the the air out slowly, I'm consciously in control of my breath. So it's like an active, you know, if I and I hold my breath and then that's an conscious active breath. A conscious passive breath is a breath that you're aware of but you're not controlling it. So this would be like in meditation where you're just, you're relaxed, you have your eyes closed, and you're just aware of your breathing without controlling the breath. So the breath is restful. It's kind of doing whatever it wants. So it would be, you know, it'd be like- And then the breath cycle. Okay, the breath cycle, four parts. Inhale, pause, exhale, pause. So most people talk about three, but there's actually four. That's it? yeah, that's it. Four four parts to a breath. The the inhalation and then you pause. The exhalation, pause. And then you start over, right? Every breath is like that. And in, in our when we're doing ujjayi breath, and this is what's really powerful about ujjayi breath, all four parts of that breath are active. Meaning you're in control of all four parts of that breath. The difference would be if I'm going if I go, if I breathe in and then relax on the exhale, if I go, I'm relaxing on the exhale, it's passive. 
opposed to being in control of every part, all four parts. Inhale, we call it breath retention. Exhale, you're pushing the air out, pausing the breath out, and then starting over again. That's why Ujjayi is such a powerful breathing method. Are you familiar with how Ujjayi might differ from like other breath work practices, like holotropic breath work or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What people um, call transformational so, breath work. You know, now we're, we're going to get start to get a little bit technical, but the way I understand like holotropic is you, you're filling quickly, right? You're filling the bottom of the lungs first. So we talk about the belly expanding first and then the chest, right? So if you, if you um, are talking about like the breath work that people are doing for trauma, for trauma release, where people are laying on the floor with blankets, they're being taken through a breathwork journey where they're, where they're, they basically it's two parts where you inhale through the belly and then you go and then you really relax on the exhale and you do that over and over. It's almost, it's borderline hyperventilating, you know, um, and there's some controversy about that. But Ujjayi is different because you're actually filling from the top down instead of the bottom up. So you fill the chest first and then the belly. And then on the exhalation, you're engaging the abdominals. You're pulling the abdominals in to push the air out. So it's this above and below action. So you fill from the top. So if I were like to follow my breath all the way to the base, and then I engage the belly and I push the air out. So this is what's interesting. The diaphragm muscle, the diaphragm muscle only contracts on your inhalation. And it doesn't actually suck air in. It creates a vacuum in the lungs and the air goes in automatically. Yeah. So so it it pulls, it kind of pull, it contracts on the on the inhalation and it draws air into the lungs. But the diaphragm doesn't push air out. It relaxes on the exhale. So if we want to push the air out, we have to use other muscles, the transverse abdominals, abdominals muscles as they engage it'll push the air out. So that's why if you're really breathing ujjayi, every every exhalation is like abdominal work. It's like there's some core structured uh, engagement. So, you know, so people will say like, oh, we're going to do core work right now. If you're doing ujjayi breath, you're doing a lot of abdominal engaging to push the air out. Because the idea is to um, fill the lungs completely and empty the lungs completely every breath. And this is a really powerful way to manage intense feelings, particularly feelings of anxiety. 100%. How does it help us to do that? Well, one way it does that is it, it affects your physiology through the vagus nerve. So when you're taking these deep breaths, it's conditioning the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is like the super highway. It's like connects your brain, it comes down the neck, it connects all of your vital organs, the lungs, the heart, all of the um, internal organs, your digestion, all the way down into the base of the body. So that's one way that you're you're conditioning that immediately by breathing, breathing deep and you know, 
using ujjayi breath in particular, but all, all breathing will, will have an effect on the vagus nerve. And there's a lot of research going on about this. And I find it fascinating because yogis knew this like 2000 years ago, you know, and they, and they, they knew it by experiencing it in their own body and being. Right. But, but it's, but it's not real until we actually research (laughs) it to death. (laughs) Yes, it's true. I know. Well, and that's why in my book, I, I got to a certain point in my book because, you know, I don't have a doctor. I'm not a, I don't have a PhD next to my name. So when I was writing the book, I thought to myself, I was like a year in and I was like, okay, I really want this to be backed by science. So it took me another like year and I just dove into, you know, just researching studies that I could put in the book that backed up what I was saying. Well, Joseph, I'm so glad to be in conversation with you again, to see your face again. Um, if people want to know about you, you you do retreats, you are not teaching? Are you yoga busing around? What's what's happening? I'm, with your I, yoga so I, I teach um I teach these days. Yeah. I, I teach um I teach a lot of privates now. So I basically work with people on cultivating their own practice something that they can and i work with people on how to insert that into their busy life wherever that is so it's it's really it's about the actual yoga but it's also about like okay when you're going to do this and how can i support you in doing it so i do that i teach one class um online that is public it's on sundays it's um 11 a.m eastern standard time and then, um, yeah, I, I have a retreat coming up in February. I take people to Costa Rica and we breathe and move for a week. And um, what else? I have an online um, anxiety program that people can access through my website. And it's a 12-module or 12-week course that takes you from, you know, really kind of understanding anxiety and stress and the physiology of it and then take you into actionable things that you can do. So you can also reach me through um, Joseph Lorcella Yoga on Instagram. And all of this, as usual, will be in my show notes, as people know. Um, Joseph, thank you. So great thank to you see so you. Thank you so much, Amy. It's so good to see you, Chicago, too. I miss sure. you, too. I miss you, too. Yeah. I, I know I love what we've been doing. trying to do this for a long time, so I'm glad we finally made it happen. Thank you. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? wondering what comes next and what it all means, head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 